So, um, next is unrepresented parties. This can be in Rule 4.05, Guideline 9, Section 40 to 41, and Guideline 12, Section 21 to 22. Paralegals have a special obligation when representing a client in a matter where another party is not represented. The paralegal must ensure that the unrepresented party understands that his or her interests will not be protected by the paralegal and make it clear to the unrepresented party that the paralegal is acting only in the interest of the client and that any comments in the and that any comments the paralegal makes may be partisan towards the client. What? Right, so if a paralegal is representing a client in a matter where another party is not represented, um, so for example... If I have John as a client and the opposing party doesn't have their own paralegal, then I have to let the unrepresented party know that their interests will not be protected by me and make it clear that to them that the, I'm only acting in the interest of the client, John, and any comments that I make is towards the client. Okie dokie. The paralegal should confirm in writing the steps taken to fulfill the above requirements. The paralegal should also consider ur- ur- um, urging. urging. <laughs> wow. God, my English is not... Is, I need to improve my English, I think. Pronouncing words. Urging the unrepresented party to obtain independent legal representation. So if I'm representing John and let's say Steve doesn't have his own paralegal slash lawyer, then I may, cons- I, um, I may consider, you know, telling Steve to obtain independent legal representation. And if Steve refuses... Then I have to put this in writing to the to Steve, letting him know, okay, this is what went down. Mm. So let's say Steve comes to me and he's like, you know, I don't have somebody who's representing me, you know, then can I can you please represent me? Then I have to decline. And if John and Steve are on opposite ends of the dispute. This creates a conflict of interest, right? So I have to decline. If, let's say, John and Steve's interests seem to be aligned, then I can evaluate whether representing both would pose a potential or actual conflict of interest, right? I still have to check that. If... I am permitted to act for the unrepresented party and the existing client in the same matter... Then I have to comply with the provisions of the joint retainer rule. This juice is hitting my brain cells. Hitting, not hurting. (laughs) Uh, Next is client identification and verification requirements. This can be found in bylaw 7.1 part 3. 
So, bylaw 7.1 outlines client identification and verification requirements for paralegals. These requirements were created to to enhance the protection of the public by assisting paralegals to prevent money laundering, (laughs) evil kitty, and other potential fraudulent or criminal activities. For purposes of these requirements, identification refers to the basic information the paralegal needs to obtain about the client and any relevant third party when retained to provide legal services such as the name and address <sighs> so again bylaw 7.1 outlines client identification and verification requirements for paralegal paralegal so paralegals can go to bylaw 7.1 to get a clarity about client identity and verification and what steps to take so this was created to protect the public and also protect paralegal uh, also prevent uh this was created to protect the public and also assist paralegals to prevent money laundering and any other potential fraudulent activities so what is identification so this is basic information that the paralegal needs to obtain about the client and any relevant third party when retained to provide legal services such as a name and address. So a third party in this context refers to an individual or organization that the client is acting for or representing or who is directing or instructing or has the authority to direct or instruct the um the paralegal, uh, sorry, the client. Verification refers to the additional steps the paralegal must take in some cases to confirm the identity of the client. So let's say that the paralegal has identified the client, you know, their name and address, and then now they have to verify it. So this is like additional steps to confirm the identity of the client and any third party, right? Um, so it is the paralegal's responsibility to ter- to determine if client or third party identification and verification are required and to obtain and retain relevant information and documents related to these matters. Um, so as paralegal, it's our, it's our responsibility to determine if clients or third party identification and verifications are required and to obtain and retain relevant information and documents related to these matters, right? Apparently, there are exemptions to the identification and verification requirements outlined in the bylaw for certain licensees, certain funds, certain clients, or third parties. This can be found in section 22, section, and section, yeah, this can be found in section 22, subsections 2, 3, and 4 of the bylaw 7.1. Um, so paralegals should look at these sections to, 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 to determine whether they need to actually do identification or verification of a client or third party, right? In any given circumstance, they have to refer to the bylaws if they're not sure, or if they actually need to identify and do verification requirements. Um, so next is when is, when is identification required?
So let's say a client comes to me and they retain me. Um, then I have to... Then the bylaw requires me to identify the client and any third party. Like if there are exemptions... No, it says if the exemptions discussed above do not apply then the paralegal must identify the client and any relevant third party in the matter in the manner and time frame required by the bylaw for each new matter with the returning client it is best practice for the paralegal to confirm with the client that the client's identifying information in the paralegal's file is still current right Um, next is identifying information when the client is an individual. When required to identify a client or a third party, um, the, the paralegal must obtain certain basic identifying information, right? The required information differs depending on whether the client or third party is an individual or an organization. That if the client or third party is an individual, the paralegal must obtain... So let's say the client, like, let's say... Um, John came to me to retain my services, and John is an individual, right? Um, then I have to obtain John's full name, his home address, and phone number, his occupation, and business address and phone number, if applicable. So let's say if the client that approached me is an organization, right? Let's say if a client is a third-party organization, then I have to obtain the organization's full name, business address, and phone number, if any, and other information continued. Uh, uh, sorry, and other information outlined in the bylaw. So, what is an organization? Organization is a body, corporate partnership, fund, trust, cor corporative, or an un unincorporated association. <sighs> In addition, I have to obtain the name, position, and contact information of all individuals authorized to provide instructions on behalf of the organization with respect to the manner for which I am retained. So for an organization other than a financial institution, public body, or reporting issuer, the paralegal must also obtain information regarding the general nature of the organization's business, the organization incorporation or business identification number, and where it was issued, right? So other than a financial institution, pub public body, or reporting issuer, I have to obtain information regarding the general nation of the general nature of the organization's business, like what type of business do they do? their incorporation or business identification number and where it was issued if if if, if, if applicable <sighs> there are additional identification requirements if a paralegal engages in or gives instructions regarding the receipt payment or transfer of funds on behalf of a client that is an organization or any third party organization um 
specifically the paralegal must make reasonable efforts to obtain the name occupation of each director of the organization unless the organization is a securities dealer and the name address and occupation of each person who owns 25 percent or more of the organization or of the shares of the organization. The exceptions to this additional identification requirement are outlined in the bylaw, right? So the by- bylaw has more information about that. Um, okay, so next... Where am I? Where am I? Where am I? Where am I? So next is let's say if a client is an individual then sorry. Next is one is verification one verification of identity is required, right? So when is verification required? So to comply with the bylaw, a paralegal must verify the identity of the client and any third party for whom the client acts or represents. If the paralegal engages in or gives instructions of the behalf of the client or third party regarding the receipt, payment, or transfer of funds. Um... Okay, let's say I have a client and his name is John. I have to uh, um I have to verify John's identity and any third party from whom the client acts. So I have to um identify uh John's uh identity. So I have to verify John's identity and any third party that John acts or represents. If I engage in or give instructions on behalf of the client or third party regarding the receipt, payment, or transfer of funds. So it says if none of the exemptions to verification discussed applies, then I have to verify the identity of the client and any third party in the manner and time frame required by the bylaw. Okay, what's next? Uh, Okay, next is verifying identity when the client is an individual, right? So to uh, to verify the identity of individual clients, paralegals may use whatever they reasonably consider to be reliable, independent source documents, uh, data, or information. The type of source documentation will differ depending on the nature of the client and the specific situation. Examples of independent source documents provided in the bylaw include original government issues identification that is valid and not expired, including a driver's license, passport, or birth certificate. It is not appropriate for paralegals to ask for a client's Ontario health card as a source of document. Okay, not to do that. Don't ask for a health card. Under section D 
34, subsection 4 of the Personal Health Information Protection Act 2004, only persons who provide provincially funded health resources are are permitted to ask for production of a client's Ontario health card. The paralegal may review as many independent source documents as necessary to to verify an individual's identity. And to comply with the bylaw where the client is an individual, the paralegal must verify the individual's identity immediately after first engaging in or giving instructions in respect of the receipt, payment, or transfer of funds. As a best practice, the paralegal should verify the individual's identity before on before or when the paralegal first engages in such activities. Mm-hmm. Let's say I have a let's say I have a client, his name is John. I have to verify John's identity immediately after I first engage with him or I'm first or I'm giving instructions in res- in respect of the received payment or transfer of funds. Uh, as a best practice I have to identify John's identity before or when I first engage in such activities. Mm. Um. <sighs> okay, next is verifying identity when the client is an organization. Okay. When par- when a paralegal engages in or gives instructions regarding the receipt, payment, or transfer of funds on behalf of a client that is an organization or a client who is acting for for or representing a third party that is an organization, the paralegal must take reasonable steps to verify the identity of that client and any third party by using what the paralegal reasonably considers to be reliable, independent source documents, data, or information, right? So let's say I'm engaging in or giving instructions regarding like the receipt of a payment or transfer of funds on behalf of a client. Let's say John is a, is a client. Let's say John is an organization, you know, or let's say that I'm acting for a client who is a third party, uh, or let's say I'm acting for or representing a third party that is an organization, then I have to take reasonable steps to verify the identity of that client and any third party. And I have, then I, by using um reasonably, what I reasonably consider to be reliable, independent source documents, data, or information. It says the paralegal must verify the identity of the individual giving instructions on behalf of the client organization, right? Then they say the paralegal needs to obtain and review reliable independent source documents, including, for example, original government-issued identification of the instructing individual that is valid and has not expired, example, driver's license, birth certificate, passport, or or other similar record. Uh, let's say the organization is a corporate uh, corporation. Or let's say it's an organization created or registered under federal or provincial law, then written confirmation from a government registry of the organization's existence, name, and address, including the name of the organization's directors, is considered an appropriate independent source document. That would include, for example, a certificate of corporate status, a corporate profile report, or an annual filing of the corporation.
Um, documents the paralegal may rely on to confirm the existence of an organization that is a that is a trust partnership or association including uh um or association include a copy of the organization's trust or partnership agreement articles of association or other similar record that verifies the entity's existence such as the organization's harmonized sales tax registration information or information relating to the organization's business license okay the paralegal has 60 days to verify the identity of our of, of the paralegal has 60 days to verify the identity of an organization from the time the paralegal first engages in or gives in, instructions in respect of receiving paying or transferring of funds okay so i'm gonna take a quick break and come back to do the rest cheers